Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Good catastrophes are kind of like these dual events, where the thing that at the time, the event, the challenge, felt like it took your breath away, brought you to your knees, covered your face in tears. You were like, there's no way out of this. This is the worst. I I cannot see any redeeming aspect to this. At the time, it feels terrible. But how often do we look back in those moments three years later, five years later, ten years later, and say, you know what? If I didn't go through that, then we don't put point to our vacation. We point back to our adversity and storms. And we say, if I didn't go through that, maybe I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved. But more importantly, I just simply wouldn't be the person that I am. Today's guest is reminding us how we can put good and catastrophe in the same sentence. And in his case, he's put it into the title of his new book, Good Catastrophe, The Tide-Turning Power of Hope. We're joined today by Benjamin Wendell. Today on Connections, he's going to share with us how we can look at the down times in our life in a different perspective, and how we can look back at our past and see how it has transformed our lives. We're joined today by Benjamin Wendell. He is an author and a pastor. His latest book is called Good Catastrophe, The Tide-Turning Power of Hope. That title in itself is very interesting because when you put those two words together, good and catastrophe, most people think, well, how in the world (laughs) can we put those two words in the same sentence? But you've managed to do that. Tell us about this book. Well, it's great to be joining you today. I appreciate it. And uh, I think it's an important conversation that we are having. I think we need to put words together that don't seem to match because it mirrors up with our cultural moment where a lot of things don't seem to match and fit evenly into a box or even fit evenly into a life that we used to have five years ago. People are navigating so much, whether it's global upheaval, division, strife, uncertainty about the future. So we kind of have this collection of challenges all around us, but that's not even to take into account the challenges we're facing in our own homes. Anxiety, fear, depression, loneliness epidemic at such high rates. So I put pen to paper, uh, wow, it took a long time, you know, would you believe about 10 years to help provide people a blueprint to find their way through pain and to see that our challenges in life are often not our enemies, but in fact, the thing, the things that bring about our greatest growth. I love, I love hearing that. Have you experienced your own pain and journey or was this just inspired by what you're seeing because you said this started 10 years ago yeah it's a bit of a mix of both you know i've pastored people in church contexts for 20 years and i think when you do that you walk through a lot of shadows and valleys of a div- you know very diverse range of human experiences and so for me that was the genesis of this project is i want to help people take their hardest moments in life and turn them into something that brings about their growth and their flourishing. It just so happens, I don't know if it's coincidental, but when you start writing about that, I mean, you know, uh, this this uh, book comes out very soon, depending on when listeners listen to this or it's already out uh, potentially. Um, 
but in the last 12 months, I lost my brother to cancer. I lost two grandparents. I met, went through major life transition. And so I've looked at the tide and I've thought, good catastrophe. Gosh, this, this just feels like catastrophe. <laughs> Where is mm-hmm. the good? But how many people share the same emotion and sentiments that I that I feel, which is, God, where is the good in this? And I think that's one of the important messages that this book contains, which is good catastrophes are kind of like these dual events, where the thing that at the time, the event, the challenge, felt like it took your breath away, brought you to your knees, covered your face in tears. You were like, there's no way out of this. This is the worst. I cannot see any redeeming aspect to this. At the time, it feels terrible. But how often do we look back in those moments three years later, five years later, 10 years later and say, you know what? If I didn't go through that and we don't put point to our vacation on the island sitting by a pool, we point back to our adversity and storms and we say, if I didn't go through that, maybe I wouldn't have achieved what I've achieved. But more importantly, I just simply wouldn't be the person that I am. And so I wouldn't trade that for anything because it made me who I am as an individual. I really appreciate you sharing your own story. And I personally went through what I called a pit season a couple of years ago. And Job, the book of Job, greatly encouraged me. I know that your story uses Job as a backdrop. What unique lessons can we learn? I think for those that have heard or read the story of Job, um, it's quite possible that we've seen one layer, one dimension, one facet. But I try to give a bit of a different take on Job. The conventional telling of the story of Job is something, in short, like this. Good man, hits a perfect storm, loses everything, has hope in God, gets it all back eventually, loses 10 children ends up with 20 children, loses X amount of dollars in business, and ends up with double. Um, I've come to resist that version of this man's life. I have three sons myself. And, you know, you can't come to me one day and say, hey, we've got a great trade for you. We, we're going to take your three children we're going to give you six different children. I mean, I'm sure the six different children are wonderful, but they're not my kids. Job didn't get back the thing that he lost. He was able to rebuild. Hope exists not for the times where the outcomes are exactly what we want in life. Hope is there in the midst of our imperfections. Hope is there when we don't get what we want in life. Hope is the dynamic that can reach into that most terrible situation or even just daily challenge and bring about the turn of my heart, the human heart, in the midst of the pain, which allows me to rebuild, regather, cast new vision, just like Job, and therefore have a future and live again, which the man did, and he rebuilt his life, and he couldn't have done it without hope. But hope was not controlling the outcomes. Hope was in the midst of terrifying outcomes. Uh, This next question I think a lot of people ask. So we'd love to ask you, why does God allow good people to experience pain and sorrow? Yeah, in fact, it's one of the primary questions why 
Gen Z are walking away and deconstructing their Christian faith because let's let's be very real about this question. If God is all-powerful, so God can speak the universe into existence, he has the ability to do anything he wants, and he's all-knowing, he knows every challenge you're walking through. How can you not logically ask the question, if he has the ability and the, and the knowledge to remove my pain, why doesn't he? And when we have a view of life, that life is supposed to be a postcard, and then mud gets thrown at the postcard of life, we don't know how to handle it. Job asked the same questions throughout all of his suffering and grief and so forth. And here's what's interesting about Job's story, and it serves as, as somewhat of an answer to a very difficult question, though I don't think there is a perfect answer to the question. Um, God reintroduces him, his, himself sorry, in the story of Job at the end of the book and doesn't even answer any of Job's questions. He just points to himself. And there's all this prose of where were you, Job, when I formed the universe? And where were you when I did this? And God points to himself as a person, as the answer, even when we don't understand the circumstances. For people that have faith in God, the only way to emotionally process our pain is through an eternal perspective. Life under the sun, as Solomon talks about, when we try to figure out all of our trials and tribulations in a broken, imperfect world, it will never make sense to us. But like Job, who eventually declared, my Redeemer lives, when we see life through an eternal perspective, that my suffering, my human experience, both my mountaintops and my valleys here on earth are not the fullness of who I am as a person or what I will go through. Heaven is real. There's more to this life. We live in a broken world. And somewhere within, within all of that, we cling. We cling to this idea that God is love. You mentioned a little bit there about what I'm about to ask, and that's how do we process our pain in a holy and healthy way? Nowadays, we see people, like you said earlier, they're addicted to drugs. They're doing things in the wrong way to help heal themselves. But how? How can we start doing this in a holy and healthy way? We process our pain in unfortunate ways because of the fundamental way we see our pain. And if we see it a certain way, we'll never process it the right way. We'll avoid it. We'll suppress it. We'll turn to addiction. My home country is Australia, and we have a lot of eucalyptus trees in Australia. Um, I had a forest fire on my land, and it it totally just burned these trees down and charred the land black. And it only took a few months later. I mean, you could still smell the smoke of the charred landscape. And as I looked at that land, I could see hundreds of little bright green shoots of eucalyptus trees. I did a scientific study on this, and here's what I found, that their seeds, it's not just that they survive a fire. 
It's much better than that. In order for their seed to germinate, it is necessary for them to go through the fire because they require the heat of a fire to melt away the tough coating of the seed in order to germinate. I love the, the drama of that. And it speaks to us that we spend so much time avoiding pain or seeing it as negative or unfortunate or why did that happen? When we start to see the challenges in life as the things that bring about our growth and development and flourishing in ways that nothing else will, there is good in our catastrophes, it's the melting of the seed that unlocks something within us that we simply don't get if all we ever had in life was sunny days and mountaintop top summits. Where do we start? I mean, I've been through a dark pit and I came out an amazing person on the other side, been there, you've experienced it, so you know. But what about that person that's looking out there and is like, no, like, this doesn't make any sense. Where do you even start to be able to think like that? You know, I appreciate you sharing that. I've been there myself over the last 12 months and I used very similar language. I'm like, I feel like I've fallen into a pit. I'm, I don't know how to get out. And that could be a scary place for people to find themselves. Like, I'm not sure where to go from here. Something practical that I learned, I call it the bicycle. And what it refers to is you think of your life like a bicycle that has two wheels. One wheel represents the good and one wheel represents the challenges. I used to think that they kind of came neatly packaged like one day I'm going to have a good day. And on that day, everything about my life is going to be good and positive and I'll have no challenges. And that's kind of like our idea of happiness, right? When all of the challenges are removed, if I listed them all out on a piece of paper, all of these could be gone then I would be happy. And honestly, if we buy into that mentality, we will be waiting our entire lives because it's likely we will never have a day where there are not some challenges. The second wheel is that it's the challenges. It's the adversity in our life. Now on a bicycle, both wheels are always in motion at the same time. That's kind of like life. There's never a day that's so good you don't have something bad. And there's never a day that's so bad you don't have something good. There's a constant motion of both. And here's the key for people to, to take in. There's a symbiotic relationship between the two. So the challenges fuel the good. And the good enable us to make it through the challenges. So that relationship, that dance is what I explore in Good Catastrophe to help people see that, you know what, God turns up in the hardest fights of your life and the tide can turn on your pain on the storm that you're in we all have to ride the bicycle every day you know in your subtitle you talk about tide turning hope where does that come from it actually comes from the story of job because for me the most beautiful metaphor he uses it's found in, in job 14 he says, for if a tree is cut down, to summarize it, at the scent of water, it will bud again. It will flourish again. He gives us the picture of a stump. He's referencing his own life. He's saying, my life was a flourishing tree. It, it, was, it was green. The, the branches extended. And one day, life turned up. 
and just my life got cut down to nothing. It was a stump in the ground, dead for all intents and purposes. But at just the scent of water, scent, faintest aroma, not, 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 not a bucket, not an ocean, not a river, the scent of water, new life, new flourishing, new growth, new potential. The idea that things can turn, the tide-turning power of hope is linked to that metaphor that Job used. That even if you feel like your life is completely cut down to a stump, at even the scent, that's how powerful hope is, smallest amount of hope that you allow yourself to have in your heart, something can start to turn within you in the midst of outcomes that may never turn that enable you to grow and flourish in the midst of that. This was sort of asked before, but, you know, a devastating event happens in your life. You know, because I remember when I was in the pit season, like, okay, this isn't going to last forever, but today is like so hard. Is there anything practical to like hold hope and grief in tandem? Yeah, you read the story of Job and the man just sat on the ground speechless for days. I mean, he really went through it, you know, and here's this guy that we hold up as the poster child of hope. And you're like, wow, the guy, his process was very complex. And I think we all process those kinds of challenges in life. What I'm presenting is a framework to the person that right now is in that situation that you mentioned, that if you can just have this spark within your imagination, that perhaps Hardship and hope together can do something for us that a problem-free life never could. That singular idea, I think, can start to bring about something pretty amazing within our life. For example, the title Good Catastrophe comes from a word invented by the author J.R.R. Tolkien. He coined a term called eucatastrophe. EU catastrophe, meaning good catastrophe. You can see it in his literature and in the movies like Lord of the Rings, Hobbit, etc. And his idea was this. When things seem the darkest and there's no way out and there's no hope, it's there that there's a sudden turn towards the good. So I studied this man's life, Tolkien. Here's what's interesting. The guy gets sent to World War One as a young man. Um. He almost dies, not because of a gunshot wound, but he catches a debilitating fever. And he's sent home, back to England, 1916, November 8, 1916. Now, looking back on his life, he recognized pretty much every single one of his school friends that were there with him fighting as young men in this war. World War I died in that battle. The thing that was his greatest pain and catastrophe, this debilitating fever that almost killed him, literally was the same thing that saved his life and therefore preserved one of the great literary giants of the 20th century. That was his good catastrophe, even though I never saw any writing where he identified it as such. So again, for those of us that are in the debilitating fever point, the point of pain, we hope is this idea and concept that allows us to hold on to this idea that somehow this is going to bring about something of my potential 
my flourishing in my growth that I don't see yet, but it's the nature of what challenges do in our lives. Love it. Your book due out in April. For our listeners looking to find that book, how can they go about learning more, learning more about the book and learning more about you? Yes, it officially launches April 18th, but it's available right now as of today. People can pre-order it. So the book is available at goodcatastrophe.com, or you can come and find out a little bit more about The Australian at benjaminwindle.com. Thank you so much for making time for us today. We appreciate it. My pleasure. And thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and rate our show. We'll talk to you again on Connections.